0: Jewish Latin Princess, episode 162, Ayelet Polonsky, Manifestation Mentor. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women. And from Yael herself, seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life, welcome to jewish latin princess podcast and now jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com your host yael we're going woo woo ladies in a really good way the buzzword of the moment manifestation heard of it wondering how it works i've got answers you're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today I have Ayelet Polonsky, Manifestation Mentor. You're in for a real Treat. This is the real deal, ladies. And I do want to give her a big shout out because not only was Ayala so clear and informative on this episode today, but she's gonna be with us on Sunday, July 25th at the Bitachon Boost retreat, which I'm so excited about. I'm so excited to have her. I'm so excited to have all of you. Have you reserved your spot? If you haven't, what are you waiting for? This is gonna be the day you deserve for yourself and honestly for your family and the world around you. That's just it because the ripple effects of you strengthening your absolute trust in God are ginormous. This virtual retreat is meant to uplift you, nourish you, and more importantly, provide you with hands-on tools so that you can take this rather elusive concept, trust, from the intellectual to the practical. We want action. We're going to be applying this in our lives in a way that will transform us and those around us as well. As you know, this is the basis, the foundation of our financial paradigm, and we've got to master it, not only because of all the financial implications that this has in our lives, but because it's a higher way of living. So if you want a major upgrade financially and in life, you want to be there. Register today and grab the early bird pricing, saving $70 at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash retreat. And of course, I yell it will be leading one of the amazingly engaging and practical sessions we will have throughout the day. Yes, a day for you get childcare, do whatever you need to do, come in your most relaxed clothes with your delicious drinks and snacks. This is going to be epic jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash retreat. And now, Let's talk about how Ayelet got into manifesting. And honestly, what is manifesting exactly? How do we do it? Ayelet generously walks us through her system of implementing manifestation in life. What did Ayelet find in Israel, more specifically in Torah true Judaism, that all her years immersed in the spiritual worlds of India didn't provide? All of this and more with the beautiful Ayelet Polanski. Oh, and P.S. You will hear reference to the show as Jewish Money Matters in our conversation. What can I say, ladies? We're in a transition, so bear with me. The content is awesome, as always. Here we go. Here's a yell it. (laughs) Ayelet Polanski, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. How are you? Thank you, Yael.
1: I'm so excited to be here. I'm just happy to have this conversation with you.
0: Are you kidding me? I'm excited. I'm going to go woo-woo with you. And my listeners know I'm not too woo-woo. I mean, I could, I could be woo-woo. I could be woo-woo people. Yep, we're going to do this.
1: Oh, we're going woo-woo. We're going oh. woo-woo and like unapologetically woo-woo. And I think like we'll soon see how woo-woo and grounded practicality come together in this conversation.
0: Perfect. I like the sound of that. I should have lit a candle or something. Should I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, have, I have mine here, but it's not lit. We can imagine.
0: <laughs> there we go. Well, just to let everybody know, you are a manifestation mentor. And I i mean, I, why don't we start there? Because before we even get into manifestation and what that can do for us and what that can do for our financial life, how did you even get into this field, it.
1: Wow. Okay. So I'm going to try to make like the last 13 years of my life... summed up in like a couple minutes, but in a nutshell, um, how I got into it when I was 21 years old, I mean, I was really into material luxuries, like my pre 21 years old, right. Me like a nice clothes car, the whole shebang. Um, And then I lost a good friend of mine in an accident. And that really woke me up because she was 20 years old at the Mm -hmm. time. I had never Mm -hmm. experienced real loss, let alone loss of someone who was my age, Up until age 21, I thought I was invincible. I thought I could take over the world. I thought I was going to live forever. This concept of life being um, transient and, and a real gift. Um, didn't really cross my mind. So when she passed, like I remember this voice in my head said, it. you've been alive for 21 years, but you haven't even yet begun to live. Wow. And I was determined to start. So I went straight to the self help section of the local bookstore. I found a book called Buddha. Oh my. And I started reading it. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I didn't have much. Yeah. I, I, a book called Buddha so many details i'm like what are the most important let me let me uh yeah. for 2 years i read every single book in the self help section and i realized i reached a glass ceiling and mm-hmm. so that led me on my first trip to india so so india not israel interesting right yes okay israel came later israel uh-huh. came later and torah came later uh but but I, my, my, I guess my Nishama first had to um, experience everything that India had to offer me before, you know, India was a six year period of my life hmm. where I was, you know, majority of six years in India at an ashram. I had a guru. I was meditating for hours every day. What? Yeah. Yeah. Like learning cognitive behavioral therapy, really working on the subconscious realm and like what goes on in our blind spots and the parts mm-hmm. of mind that we're not aware are really running the show behind the right. scenes. Yeah. And so I became aware of all of that inner chatter that was sabotaging my success, financial success, love success, just pure happiness. Um, mm mm-hmm. And so six years later, I reached my glass ceiling again. And I said, this can't be all there is. You know, I was a real seeker, um, determined to find like meaning in my life and to understand what my purpose is. Uh, And so after six years, I was uh, invited by my guru at the time on a four month bus tour of Southern India. We were going to live on a bus. I'm not talking like Hyatt. Nice luxury accommodation. I'm talking like showering out of buckets, sleeping on buses, like real, real rough stuff. And so I said, let me before we depart on the bus, I'll take a week, spend it in Bombay, where I have some friends who are who live pretty nicely in Bombay. So I'm sitting by the pool. I'm in meditation. I'm doing my manifestation work. You know, I'm visualizing. We'll get into that. I'm sure a little Mm -hmm. bit later. Um, and while I'm in my meditation, a voice keeps coming in and tries to distract me from my meditation. And so I finally entertain the voice, and it was so clear what the voice had to say. I rem- like it's it's as real as me speaking to you right now. That's how mm-hmm. clear and vivid the voice is. It said. I yell it, leave this country now and go to Israel. What? And so within 30 minutes, I had my flight booked. And the next day I was on a plane with two suitcases filled with Indian dresses <laughs> to Israel. So, <laughs> and you don't
0: even know what you're looking for because you're so immersed in, and convinced that this is the answer.
1: 100%. I thought India was my community. I thought that was my life course. Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's like a really intense breakup because so much of the mentality, so much of the culture, so much of the philosophy and the lifestyle I had embodied at that point Um, that to just like break up with six years of my life and say, I'm completely surrendered. I trust my, that voice of intuition that's guiding me to my higher purpose and to not even have a place to sleep. In Israel, you know, but when you Mm -hmm. listen to that voice of intuition, I really believe that God shows up and provides in the most miraculous ways. Um, So, this begs the question before we get to
0: what happens in Israel your family, you're only 21, now you're 27. Were they concerned a lot at all? This nice Jewish girl is like in India and we don't know what she's gotten into. Totally.
1: I mean, thank God I have the most incredible supportive parents. They were never strict with me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they they had their say, you know, they would they would feed me with, you know, oh, yeah, let's off on her crazy adventure again. Or she doesn't know what she's doing or they were definitely worried and they definitely tried to stop me, but not they weren't like aggressive or pushy about it. They also understood that this is what she needs in order for her to like feel complete right now. And I think they just in their own way, like prayed that I would come out of of that whole life. Uh,
0: Somehow it worked. Okay. So you, uh, you get on the plane to Israel and what happens next?
1: Okay. So like I said, I had nowhere to sleep. I had no agenda, nothing. In my head, because at that point I was wearing like yoga pants and tank tops, like I was far from living an observant lifestyle. Uh, So I had called up a friend of mine who was born and raised in Jerusalem and Jerusalem was the last place I wanted to be. For me, Jerusalem was like too religious. Right. So I said, let me go to Tel Aviv, other yogis, other meditators. And I called up my family friend and I said, do you happen to know anyone who lives in Tel Aviv, who I can rent a room in their apartment or something. And my friend said to me, well, lucky for you, I just signed a lease on an apartment in Israel a week, uh, in Tel Aviv a week ago. I have an empty bedroom. It has your name written all over it. Come and stay as long as you need for free. I was guided. I was totally guided. So they picked me up from the airport. I spent a month in Tel Aviv and I can't explain what it was. Like I can't, put the experience into words, but I felt this like gravitational pull towards Jerusalem. Every sign, every invisible arrow Mm -hmm. was pointing me in that direction that again, like I had, I trained myself to really listen to that voice of intuition. Mm -hmm. And I know that when I don't listen to what I'm meant to be doing, that sign shows up in different, maybe less comfortable ways. Right. So. Within a month of being in Israel, I took the first place I found in Jerusalem, rented an apartment, started learning at, <laughs> at a seminary. And, you know, the rest is history. I was there for a year. And there's so many details, like rich details here, like how I met my husband, it manifested my husband in the interim. Um, you know, people wonder how I supported myself for six years in my mid-20s in India. I led a retreat company. So I would leave. Oh my yeah. So I would bring women from all over the world to these exotic places, Sri Lanka, Mexico, all over the world. And I would lead them through like a 10-day spiritual meditation retreat. And then I'd come back to the ashram in India. So I was working at the same time. I wasn't just like woo-woo in meditation for eight hours a day.
0: Okay. So India period taught you entrepreneurship and taught you to listen to your intuition, which is, hello, a skill that we could all you know, um, um, strengthen. And eventually I, it, from, I gather from this story, it's very obvious that you learned to hear the voice of God, the, the signs of divine providence. Like you were already so sensitized to this idea that there is something in the universe that's guiding you. Maybe you weren't calling it God, but like you knew to follow. And then once you got immersed in a Torah way of life, I think all the dots started connecting for you. It sounds like.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, I will, I will say a point that I left out when I had gotten to India at age 22 for the first time, Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by people who were worshiping this guru, like bowing at his feet, like actually Mm. physically bowing. And I couldn't put my finger, it's not like I grew up with a strong Torah upbringing, you know, so I couldn't put my finger on why my soul just felt like something's wrong here. Mm, It wasn't uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. It was just like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, why are humans bowing to another human? Like there was something uh-huh. about it that was off. But because I was so thirsty for this connection to something bigger than me, you know, mm-hmm. I, I told myself, if I just follow what they're doing, maybe eventually I will feel what they're feeling. Mm. But to keep myself protected. And this is something, again, I don't know what led me to do this. I would recite puja in the morning, which is Sanskrit mantras, where Mm -hmm. you're really just like praying to this guru in the morning. And at night I would recite the Shema.
0: Wow. uh,
1: And so I I have that, I always go back to this and like, I'm, I'm, I really feel in my heart that that was the umbilical cord that saved me and kept me connected throughout those six years.
0: And, and just to make a big disclaimer in case it hasn't become very obvious from what you just said, We are not suggesting here that in order to find God, you should go to India. This is not the suggested path. This was just happens to be a yellow journey. And thank God, like you just put it so beautifully. There was this umbilical cord that kept you connected and saved you. But unfortunately, that's not we're not going to get into this topic today. But as we know, that's not the case for many people. We have a lot of lost souls that need to be (laughs) brought back to our people. Um, but anyway, this is beautiful. And, 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 and now you 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 are in Israel, you're getting yourself connected, but everything's starting to make sense. And so this spiritual Ayelit is now blossoming in, in, in the right context, let's just say. So, what is it that you're starting to manifest, or perhaps more practical, what is manifestation exactly?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so manifestation is the ability for one to use their thoughts to create things. And don't we all do that? <laughs> we, <laughs> we do it whether we're aware of it or not. Exactly. That's the thing. And so, you know, I base a lot of my, um, my teachings on the words abracadabra. Mm-hmm which many people are always surprised to hear that it actually comes the language of abracadabra is Aramaic which is old Hebrew and it translates into it will be created as I speak mm-hmm. right and so as we know as as as, like, as Jews that the 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 cosmos the universe was created through God's ten utterances through speech in right. its- and since we are microcosms of this macro creative energy, we have this magic, this power inside of ourselves to use speech to co-create our reality. That's the simplified version of what manifestation mm-hmm. is, but it's also learning how to sort through the noise in your head mm-hmm. because it's not just speech, it's thoughts. Thoughts become... That's working. where it, beca- it begins in the thought. It begins in the thought, right? And this is a very Kabbalistic concept, right? There's thoughts, speech, and action. action. Mm-hmm. Thought is actually the highest level because people can take action but not really think about so much about what they're doing. It's when we learn how to control our thoughts that we start to become more conscious of the words that we speak, right? right. So if I'm speaking words of, my situation just really stinks right now. Or, you know, even just like, oh, it's a rainy day. When is it going to get better? Just even those, that type of language, it's as subtle as that, right? That has an impact on what actually manifests mm-hmm. in our external reality. You know, so, so if a, if a woman wants to get married, but she has this, old belief, which usually stems from childhood that says, you know, I'm not worthy of love because when I was seven years old, I had my first crush on a boy and he didn't like me back, mm-hmm. and That planted a seed of self-doubt that then flowered and turned into a belief that I'm not worthy or deserving of love. That thought is going to manifest into things, which is going to block one's partner from being manifested.
0: And so we're not necessarily aware of those thoughts, right? We, unless we work on it. So, so how does this work? Practically speaking, what are the, what do we need to be doing if we, if we could walk away for, with baby steps, like after this, listening to this episode, people could take something that they could start doing to, to unravel this process and really start manifesting what they want. And so get back to that programming. What is it that they could be doing?
1: hmm. So it's I teach this line and like I really recommend people like write this down and put it on their wall, put it on the refrigerator, on their mirrors, just a constant reminder of the following sentence. And that is the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves become our reality. Mm-hmm. The stories we tell ourselves about ourselves become our reality, right? I spoke about that, you know, seven, eight-year-old who has her heart broken because a boy doesn't like her back. That was my story. That happened to me when I was eight years old. I had a crush on a boy named Tommy. I was convinced because he would like give me those eyes in the hallway, right? And so I'm like, oh, he's giving me eyes. He must like me back, yeah? And And so... I'm like, you know, every time I see him, I put on my little like sassy safari catwalk, right? Like, I'm like. <laughs> and then one day during recess, I see him approaching me. So I'm convinced in my head that he's going to tap me on the shoulder and tell me, like, I yell it, I like you too. So he does. He taps me on the shoulder. He does that part and he whispers in my ear and he says, I yell it, I don't like you. Not even a little bit. Get that through your thick head. And my entire world was shattered. Like eight-year-old innocent little girl has her first crush. You know, what do you think some of the thoughts, I the stories I told myself about myself were at that time? You know, I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. You know, it even got bigger than just what I thought about myself. I created an identity for all boys, right? All boys stink. Boys can't be trusted. Like all of these identities got formed and I wasn't even conscious of it. So mm-hmm. as a adult, all of us as adults with, with resources to higher knowledge and information, and maybe even a therapist or a coach, right. It's important for us to do the work and go back into our past a little bit, you know, I, I'm not into like dwelling so much on the past, but just enough to understand what is written on the blackboard of our subconscious that is living in our blind spot. Yeah. You know, because much of the time, what is written there is what's sabotaging our ability to create, in this case, like love for me, but even financial abundance. Totally. So a lot of, like I was raised with the story, I yell it, money doesn't grow on trees, Uh which is a big one. And so as a resourced adult who is able to think independently and know that I can give that story back to where it came from you know, I now changed my cognition, changed my perception. And I tell myself all the time, I it. Money is made of paper. Paper comes from trees. Money grows on trees. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bingo. There you go. You know, it's so funny that you brought it back to that story of an eight-year-old because I do the same thing with my students. Whereas we go back and look at what is our earliest money memory? Because as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, old 910 10-year-old, we've had an experience the farthest we can remember back where we made a decision about money that it was from the mindset of an eight-year-old. It doesn't, and we carry it with us and it's affecting everything else. We are not conscious of it, but it's so interesting when students finally pinpoint that one experience and they can decode it. It's really eye-opening.
1: Oh man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, you know, when I was when I was dating, mm-hmm. I remember a mentor of mine told me. She said, Ayele, you're too powerful of a of a of a uh, energy for a man to handle." You know, something along those lines. Like Whoa. this this desire that you have to continue to create financial abundance and to be an entrepreneur. You know, that might turn men off. I heard the same thing. My <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you know if, if i thank god i didn't listen to her and thank god i like ended up manifesting a husband who like empowers me to rise into that power um, because he doesn't feel emasculated by mm-hmm. it but you know it's so easy to take on these external identities that people want to attach to you and that right. happens. is like, yeah, eight years old, set five years old. You know, you may have seen your parents really struggle to make finance, to make money growing up. And so that's planted a seed in your subconscious that says right. money equals struggle right? or hard work. You know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So
0: speaking of that, you talked about the um, money doesn't grow in trees. What, we, what are, you know, so much of like we've said so much of what we learn about money is based on what we experience as children as we just established what was your upbringing like what were any 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 memories that stand out as being like having shaped you regarding to your relationship with money
1: yeah so for me there was actually a lot of confusing messages around Mm -hmm. money that i had to really like like you said you went back to eight-year-old you to determine what are some of the stories that you had like i've had to do a lot of similar work because, you know, having a dad who's Israeli, who left Jerusalem when he was in his 20s to move with my mom to America, this is before I was born, mm-hmm. um, to, to, in order to create financial abundance for himself. You know, on the one hand, you know, he, well, okay, let me back up a second. He grew up in a home where him and his brothers all shared one room. They were born in the same apartment in Jerusalem, you know. Uh, his my grandmother, you know, god bless her, was the type who like if you had any food left on your plate, god forbid, right. you know, you had to right. finish every every last crumb. Um and and it was just that was the mentality back then. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, like my dad left that world to come to America and he did very well for himself, him and my mom together, are both entrepreneurs. So I definitely received my entrepreneur mentality from them. Um so thank God, like I value being my own boss. And I also know how to take risks because I've seen my parents take a lot of risks. They've right. made a lot of money. They've lost money. They've made more money. They've lost. You know what I mean? It's it's part of the game and not to get shaken by it. I've learned yep. not to get so shaken by it. But at the same time, the confusing message was hold on to what you have. Hmm. Which I, as an adult learned, created in me a mentality of lack. Right. Of lack. Like, I can create easily, but I have to hold on to it because I can lose it easily. Right. You know? And and so I've had to work through recognizing that a mindset of lack manifests more lack. Wow. Whereas a mindset of abundance manifests more abundance. Right. Right. There's more where that came from. <laughs> and there's more than enough to go around, you know, like, <laughs> so, you know, also a lot of, you know, growing up with some like, you know, family members who like had nothing and other family members who had a lot. So there was like some like jealousy mentality there. And I grew up to really understand, you know, if my neighbor has something and I don't, the moment I become jealous is the moment I'm saying, "Universe, God, creative energy, you don't have enough to go around."
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Which is something I we always talk about—the fact that um, just because somebody else has doesn't mean they took from you. That nobody can take from you. <laughs> it's not a pie where you, if you get a bigger slice, then there's less pie left.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like really holding on for dear life to that mentality of like, there's more than enough to go around. Like, thank God now today I live with the mentality of like, how can I share my resources, my connections, my clients with everybody I know and love? Right.
0: Right. So it's, it's interesting because if a person is struggling financially, we're saying, you know, at the end of the day, pretty much we know what we need to do on a practical level, right? We should spend less than what we make. There's certain things that are super obvious, but we don't necessarily do them. And so what we're saying here is, take a look at your financial picture. If there's something that's not working out for you, um, you're overspending, you're getting yourself in debt, you're not really um, funding your long-term financial goals, your money's not working for you, Not not growing, like those obvious things, then let's go back to the script. Is that what we're saying? Go back to the script and see how we can change the script so you can manifest a different reality.
1: 100%. I would say for me, what's worked is before I actually look at my bank account and look at my finances, which I think is important to do, I do yep a certain degree, it is important to micromanage what comes in and what goes out and to be aware of that and to get organized in whatever way works for the individual. Um, you know, I'm sure you, you know, like systems around how to make it work. I'm not the right. expert in like the systems part, but like I am a huge advocate of going back to the initial story, going back to the mindset, because that's where the seeds got planted. Right. So regardless of what systems are used, regardless of whether or not, you know, you're, you're managing your money correctly. Like all of that is going to be driven by a story that is behind the curtain. So let's open the curtain, find out what's there, because only then will a person be able to feel free and empowered to be able to do the actual like systems work. In yeah, mind. I call it the editor
0: stage where you can look at your story. And now you can say, what of this story do I want to edit out? And rewrite. What do I want to keep? Like there are things that, serve In your case, that entrepreneurial spirit. There was so much in that story that serves you, right? And then there's things that I want to rewrite my own story because bottom line is, the systems and the habits are not going to stay in. The wheels are not going to turn in the way you want them unless you're re-editing this story constantly. Because that's what's. It's like the brake that's holding everything from flowing, from moving.
1: Totally. You know, there's, there's a Torah uh, concept and we recite this in our Siddur when we pray, you know, that says Mm -hmm. end result exists in the initial thought, right? I feel like the systems is like chapter three, four, five, six, seven, perhaps Right. But let's go back to chapter one. What the end result exists in the initial thought. The initial thought was the seed that got planted in my head that said, I get it. Money doesn't grow on trees. There's not enough to go around. What makes you think you're worthy of being a millionaire? What makes you think you are deserving of this abundance? Right. So, like, if we get back to the initial thought that was planted we can pull it out from the root and then everything almost naturally begins to miraculously unravel beautifully Hmm.
0: so if we were to now bring it to manifesting as the you know in the literal sense of the word does this mean there's something ritualistic about this for lack of a better word that we need to be doing, you know, like you were describing your life in India, right? Like today I yell at today. And let's say, you know, us like is other than understanding this story and getting very clear And perhaps for some of us, it's working with a coach, et cetera. But what do you need to, do you do for, you know, when it comes to manifesting?
1: Okay. Beautiful. So I've actually come up with my own system for people to have it broken down for them to make it something like easier. Um, there are rituals embedded into the system, like having an affirmation statement, right. Also doing a visualization exercise every day for 21 days, you know, some of the most successful people, uh, you know, rich dad, poor dad, all of those, 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 uh, self-help books about money and finance and abundance. They all have visualized their goal. Mm -hmm. Um, who was it? I'll go into my system in a second, but, um, is it dale carnegie i believe who okay. he says that uh, that they took they took like a study of a, a group of like 26 men i think all graduating college and they asked all of them you know who do you want to be when you grow up where do you mm-hmm. want to grow up and all of them said financially successful Right, and it was like a small, small, small percentage who these men, when they were in their fifties and sixties, were contacted again, and it was like a tiny percent, less than five percent of them, ended up actually achieving their their goals, and most of them actually ended up being broke. Mm -hmm. So they asked these men, "What was the difference between the two case studies?" And they said, "The men who had a a goal that they." visualized every single day, visualized every single day and worked towards that ideal. When they work towards that ideal, those are the men who in their fifties and sixties actually saw their vision manifest. So it's a lot to do in here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so back to the system, it's based on the Abracadabra model, which is I took the word Abra, A-B-R-A, and I broke it down into an easy to remember acronym. And so the A is for ask. Ask. The B is for believe the R is receive and the A is for acknowledge, Mm -hmm. Ask, believe, receive, acknowledge, ask, ask for what you want and get clear, right? I had a client come to me and she said, I yell it. I want to manifest financial abundance. So I said, okay, beautiful. I said, what does that look like by the end of this year? How much money do you want in your bank account? And she just turned red. Like she had no idea how to answer that question. Right. So I said, let's start there. Let's get clear. What is financial abundance for one person could mean $50,000 a year. The next person could mean $10 million a year. Right. So let's get clear about what you need in order for you to feel like you've accomplished that financial success. So that's the ask. B, believe. Believe in the possibility of your desire manifesting, which this is where the real therapeutic work comes in it's it's in the breaking down the old stories, breaking down the old old outdated beliefs that no longer serve me. and mm-hmm. to start when we start creating new beliefs, money obviously grows on trees because it comes from paper. I am worthy of financial abundance. Why not? If not them? or if yes, them, why not mm-hmm. me? Type of mentality when we can get into the, into the nitty gritties of what's going on behind the scenes of our subconscious. Then we start to learn how to like believe in the possibility because it's when we start breaking down those old beliefs and rewriting the story that you start to see miracles happen left and right. I
0: always see that part as believe in God and God who can do anything And believe in yourself that you can join him in this, like, you know, instead of I'm not worthy. Oh, no, I am showing up for this. I am worthy of receiving the blessings. And guess what? The blessings are coming from the infinite creator who can provide for anybody in any way that he wants.
1: 100%. There's actually a cute story. Rav Natan went to his teacher, Rabbi Nachman, Mm -hmm. and he said, "Rebbe, Rebbe, teach me how to have faith in God. And Rabbi Nachman looks at his student and he says, you don't need to learn how to have faith in God. You already have faith in God. You need to learn how to believe in yourself. Wow. And like you said, it's twofold. It's yeah. twofold. It's like, where are we lacking? If if we don't believe in ourselves, we probably won't believe that God is capable. Yep. So, so let's start, you know, it, it's, it's both. Some people they go have, hand in hand. They go hand in hand. So 100%, you're right spot on with that. Um, so that that's the go ahead. you were gonna say that's something? the belief. And then we have receive the R. And then we have receive, which is all, and this is like, I don't want to say my favorite because every part of the system is my favorite, but uh this one just makes me feel like I've touched the nectar of existence because receive is how to turn yourself into a vessel that is capable of having her hands open like this versus closed like this. Okay. And- so this whole section of what I teach is about surrender, hmm. getting out of your own way, saying, God, I let you into the driver's seat and I come along for the ride.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: The moment I, rec- I recognize in myself that I'm trying to control an outcome, you know, what I'm saying subconsciously is, God, I've got this. I don't need you. Yeah, That's control. Right. And and so this, this, I, have seen it throughout my life. The moment I feel like I want to control an outcome or I'm feeling anxious, you know, I remind myself of my surrender statement, Mm -hmm. which is God. I let you into the driver's seat and I'm coming along for the ride. Right. And I just, I might close my eyes for a minute or two and just focus on what it is to like fall back into God's hands. Right. The moment I do that, miracles present themselves. Things begin to manifest.
0: Absolutely. It's a natural progression of that, that B of that belief, because if we just, if we try to control it, then we're not really
1: believing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So they're all entangled 100%. And then the final A, which is acknowledge, it's all about living with an attitude of gratitude, mm-hmm. right? acknowledging where the source of miracles is coming from. And this was the difference between my experience in India versus my experience in Israel. Uh-huh. Right in India, we, that's where I first got introduced to manifestation and it it became a huge part of my lifestyle. But the narrative there is all about, look what I created, look what I accomplished. There's not much room for a, or look what the guru accomplished for you, right? That was a big part of it too. Whereas my mission when I got to Israel became to to really cleave to the greatest, what I consider for me, the greatest rabbis and Kabbalists and mentors and distinguish what I had learned and what I was pulling from like a Vodazara, like from from the other side, right? Versus how can I hold on to this concept? Because I know this has got to be Torah also, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and how can I bring it down from the side of purity of Kadusha? and all of it comes down to recognizing I am not the one manifesting. I am not the one manifesting, right? God can give and take in a heartbeat, right? So the moment I realize that I say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that I have having an attitude of gratitude. My job really is the surrender part. Let me get out of my own way. That's my avoda. That's my work. God's work is to say, oh, look at my child over there. She just made a space for me Mm -hmm. so I can come in and I can shower her with abundance because she's receiving. She's in a place where she's able to receive.
0: But a lot of people would say, how does that work with the ask? Right. A lot of people will argue, well, if you're in that state and you completely trust, then who am I to ask? Why do I have to tell God that I need the 5 million or the 50,000, whatever it might be, right? People really struggle with this. How do you help them with that? How do you reconcile this?
1: Beautiful. So there's a book called Living a Muna by Rav yes. David Schier. You know it? I have it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. So one of my favorite quotes comes from that book. And he says, okay, let me try to remember it. He says, you don't have to be creative to figure out how what you want is going to work out. Mm -hmm. God is much more creative than you are. All you have to do is ask for what you want with the knowing, the belief that God can create anything greater than your wildest imagination. That's it. No, that's it. That's That's it. it.
0: We got to let go of the how. We just need the why and the what. What's my next step? The how is up to God.
1: 100%. 100%. And and he created us for the purpose of making this a co-creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. What good is a Picasso on the wall, a piece of artwork if there's no one there to admire that artwork? It's it's twofold. We're here to be to be teammates. Um so so part of that that co-creative teamwork is acknowledging God. This all comes from you. I'm surrendered. You take care of the how but I'm going to tell you what I want. Exactly. I'm gonna get clear about what I want.
0: Exactly. And one of the things he brings out in that book, along the same lines, is that we also have a mitzvah to pray. We have a mitzvah to ask for our needs very, very specifically. And that does not contradict bitachon. It doesn't contradict trust. So um, I'm glad we touched on that point because I think it's critical. Now let's let's um, switch a little bit gears to you, Ayelet. Um, Are there any habits that you practice regularly that you feel really help you with your financial life? It could be these manifesting spiritual, or it could be more practical. What what do you have going on in your toolkit that help you?
1: Beautiful. So I am a firm believer that if I don't have my daily spiritual practice, I have nothing. Mm. So
0: what does it look like?
1: what that looks like is I wake up and I have my, my green smoothie. If we're getting specific, yes.
0: send me the recipe later.
1: Oh, I will. I absolutely will. It's on my Instagram. I post all these like recipes, but uh, basically it's um, you know, my green smoothie it's loaded with superfood, like superfood antioxidant powders, ashwagandha, moringa, spirulina, wheatgrass, like the whole shebang. I make it for me, my husband and my son.
0: Mm-hmm. We love it.
1: Um, and so that like fuels me then I, I mean, well, I first start off with saying like my morning prayers, like wake up in the morning, like, thank you God for another day of life. It's that attitude of gratitude, setting my day up for success. Okay. But, but I'll, I'll touch upon a few of my rituals. Um, you know, I pray in the morning Mm -hmm. and I ask for what I want. I write down, I always, I'm a big fan of putting pen to paper. The moment you put pen to paper, you make your desire a little more physical. Yeah, you know. So I, I just write down one sentence of like my intention for the day. Even is, is enough. What? Well, how do I want my day to look? Okay. Then I have my smoothie. I get on my yoga mat. I do. You know, I have a baby now, so like whatever I ha- I'm afforded time for, it, but minimum twenty minutes of yoga. If I'm mm-hmm. lucky, an hour. Um, and then I meditate, I meditate, I visualize what it is that I want, meaning, um, I usually break up my desires into like 21 day spurts. And Ooh, I, I like this. Go on. Um, so I'll focus on one thing for 21 days at a time. Cause I think if we start asking for everything, we end up with nothing, you know, like it's, it's that mentality of getting really clear about your ask. Right. Okay, so my meditation always begins with I have my manifestation journal, Mm -hmm. I write down my desire. Okay, I follow it up with writing down what is it that is stopping me from having that manifest in my life right now. And it always comes down to my own limiting beliefs, right? So what are the things limiting me from having that? Maybe it's, I don't feel like I'm ready. Maybe I feel like I need continuing education, right? I need more degrees on my wall before I could help other people. I get that a lot from people, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, um, getting clear about what's blocking me in like a few words. You don't have to, it doesn't, you don't have to overthink it. And then the third step is the meditation itself, which is I'll set an alarm. And I always tell people either do 11 minutes or do 21 minutes, whatever you have time for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I sit down and I visualize um, what it is that I wrote down in, in my desire as though it's already mine. It, I, I see myself as though I'm living that reality right now. I can't tell you how many people, myself included, that I've worked with who have followed this system that end up like within those 21 days or shortly after meeting their husbands, manifesting a very specific goal for themselves. Like they'll write down a specific amount of money and it comes in ways they least expect it. Right. Always does. Always does. And then a big part of also my, my practice is, is taking care of my mental health. I am not afraid of like breaking the taboo or the stigma around having someone as a mentor or a therapist or a coach, right? Like I have my own coach. I have my own therapist. I am a therapist and I have a therapist, you know? And like, I think it's just important to have that outside mirror perspective to help you see your own blind spots.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: staples. Mm-hmm.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So what's, what's a financial goal you have for yourself right now? <laughs> specific.
1: <laughs> I, I would say that the number is between me and God. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> the specific number, but let's put it this way. Um, it's, it's really miraculous because my husband and I, every week before Rosh Hashanah, we sit down and we break down our goal for the year. Mm-hmm. Like I have a whole like uh, outline that I've created, you know, there's the financial goals, work goals, Chesed, how much more service can we be doing um, Torah? How much more Torah can we be learning physical, uh, spiritual, mental health? Like we, we have it broken down into sections. And when it comes to our financial goals, it's amazing to see how, you know, cause we always look back the following year right. on the previous year and it's like, so close to the mark, if not on the mark every year. So let's put it this way: whatever my financial goal is this year is like double of what it was last year. And I say that unapologetically.
0: It's so funny you said that because we we do the same thing and we actually we 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 say, okay, how much micer are we committing? What is that number that we really feel we want to give this year? And mm-hmm. then it's like, okay. Well, God, you know what to give in order for us to give this. So it's like the number is very clear. And would you believe that? Yes, it gets like pretty much on the mark.
1: Really? Because when you get clear and when you do the work and when you believe in the possibility of it and when you surrender and get out of your way and acknowledge where the source of miracles is coming from, it's like God wants you to live a life greater than one that you can possibly imagine from where you're sitting right now.
0: Yeah. Now I don't want anybody to think that it's that it isn't work. Like it's every day you have to struggle with, you know, surrendering. Every day when there are setbacks, you have to struggle with the negative thoughts and the, you know, I I say it as entrepreneurs. Is your husband an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, we both. Right.
0: Work. As entrepreneurs, we struggle with these things. Like oh you know, I should, you should have taken that other job when that guy called you, right? You know, like, and then you no, you go back to the drawing where you go back to the plan. There's a plan and there's God who's orchestrating the whole whole thing. So Mm -hmm. listeners don't think that we're suggesting that this is easy
1: work. (laughs) It's work. (laughs) Totally. You know, this is the real work. I think like the actual putting work into the part where you're making money becomes easier when you worked on the psycho spiritual you know stuff first.
0: Absolutely, I'm glad you say. I'm glad you said that. All right, so I want to wrap it up with um, what I call here Jewish Money Matters. Fill in the blanks, okay? And this is a part of the show where I'm going to give you an open ended sentence, and you're going to finish it with the th- first thing that comes to mind. Actually, before I do that, before I do that, well, no, let's do it after. I want I want you to tell us specifically. I want you to tell us specifically how you work with people how people can work with you and where to find you uh, tell us now tell us now
1: so a lot of um i do a lot of work with all on me the do you
0: i'm actually presenting for them on sunday that's
1: so Amazing. cute. Amazing. in spanish though Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. They're huge. That's amazing. They're, it's yeah. amazing. When I hear that, I'm like, what do you guys not do? You know, but uh, so I, I have a five and six week course that I teach through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to get in touch with me, I do work with people one on one as well. So to get in touch with me, I would say if you're on Instagram, you know, the best, quickest way is to just send me a private message on the manifestation mindset page. It's the manifestation mindset. You'll see I yell at Polanski. Um, and then, uh, if you want a free three-part manifesting series, you can go to the manifestationmindset.co mm-hmm. manifestationmindset.co. And then lastly, of course, like I, I like to make myself accessible to people. Um, so to, to send me an email, I yell at Polonski.gmail.com is always an easy way. If you're not on Instagram as well.
0: Beautiful. All right. So you ready for these fill in the blanks? Yeah. All right, don't overthink it. When I give my sir or tzedakah, I like to give to?
1: Am I answering this right now? Mhm. Oh, I like to give to Neve or Shime.
0: <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. Is that that was your first stop when you said you went to seminary?
1: Yeah. 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 I love it. Very to.
0: nice. I'd love to make more money
1: because I want to be of service.
0: Something I wish I'd learn about money growing up
1: is <sighs> that there's more than enough to go around. Money, spiritual or physical? spiritual and physical, but more spiritual than physical.
0: <laughs> Something I splurge on unapologetically is vacations. <laughs> Ooh, which by the way, listeners, she's on vacation. Now you're so gracious to take your vacation time to talk to us.
1: It's <laughs> a three month vacation. It's like, well, I don't want it to end. It's too good. But yeah, <laughs> I yell at Polonski
0: spender or saver.
1: I'm the spender. My husband's the saver. So we balance each other out.
0: (laughs) Very, very, very good. By the way, I didn't ask you, how do you manage your finances together? How does that work between the both of you?
1: I say I have the mindset. You do all the logistics. Like Mm -hmm. I I learned this early on in marriage. Um, I actually read The Surrendered Wife. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she says is let your husband, I'm not advocating this for everybody. You know, everybody's dynamic is different. Um, but she says that men get a lot of pride, you know, being able to manage it. Now, some women, they need to be a part of that. Um, I personally, I, I trust him. So I say, you manage, I'll uh, have the, you know, I, I take care of the mindset stuff. He's also in the mindset world, but, um, but Yeah.
0: I predicate like a more balanced approach where yes, you trust them, but make sure that you are completely in the loop of what's going on. Like make mm-hmm. sure you both are on the same page, regardless of who's doing the nitty gritty. Um, cause otherwise the it, it's an imbalance.
1: Totally. 100%. 100%.
0: All right. Today I am most grateful for,
1: uh, the first thing that came to mind was just my, uh, year and a half year old bundle of everything love bliss joy that's so
0: sweet that's mm-hmm. so sweet and finally I'm Polanski and I believe Jewish money matters because
1: because you're worth it
0: hmm.
1: you're worth it. and 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 you're capable and able and you're just yeah because you're you're worth it and you you, you I think in order to um, really live your your live into your highest potential you should be accessing that place in you that recognizes that you can and should and are deserving of having what you want, you're worth it.
0: Beautiful. Ayala Polonsky, thank you so much. Everybody go find her on Instagram at The Manifestation mindset correct perfect thank you so much beautiful work much much continued success and thank you for all these wonderful insights thank you
1: so much yeah thank you for everything that you're doing for the world you're amazing
0: thanks to Ayelet Polanski for stopping by you can find her at The Manifestation Mindset on Instagram and you will get to hang out with her with me and others you might recognize from this show actually like Kaylee Zaytuni, Margie Scherer, Doris Horenstein and Roostabora Wallen on Sunday July 25th get your ticket now for the all-day virtual event, the Bitachon Boost Retreat at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash retreat. Thanks again for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and rating on iTunes. We continue with another week of gifting, coffee, and sessions with me as we continue to test the new format. This week, you'll get a full week of what might be the new format of the show. So we want to hear from you. Leave that review, take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me, or email that screenshot to me at yael at jewishlatinprincess.com and you'll receive a Starbucks gift. Card and a link for us to chat, which is something I got the pleasure of doing last week. It was with some of you. It was so much fun. All right, ladies, keep up those smiles. Even though we are in the nine days, keep smiling. As the Lubavitcher Rebbe taught us to interpret the Mishnah that says, "Mishnah Av Mematim Besimcha," or once Av begins, we diminish celebration. We diminish the pain. How? Huh? Besimcha with joy. How do we reduce the pain? That's how we do it. Don't forget to get your ticket for the Bitachon Boost Retreat at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash retreat. Have a great day and I'll see you here tomorrow for another one of our mini sodes. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love.